Africa rise and shine Africa zora Africa amka na unai Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective coming to you live in Johannesburg, South Africa. We are on the frequencies 7230 kilohertz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on 11925 kilohertz on the 25 meter band to West Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tabisolo Hoko and Figuleli Ngwati. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, Nigeria awaits the results of Saturday's presidential elections and South Africa's main opposition party launches its election manifesto. In economics news, Kenyan coast refinery now to operate a bitumen facility and in sports news, South Africa drawn in tough FIFA under 20 World Cup group. But first up the news with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. The violence during Nigeria's delayed presidential and legislative polls has claimed at least 27 lives and injured several others. On Sunday, the election network group said the outbreak of violence was worrying and that the authorities had been warned about the risk as another civil society group said the death toll could be as high as 35. Violence affected areas in the country's rest of northeast prior to polling on Saturday. There were explosions. in Maiduguri the capital of Borno state which has come under repeated attacks by Boko Haram residents of Gidam and neighboring Yobe state were forced to flee their homes into the bushes before polls opened some ballot collection centers in southern Nigeria were attacked overnight as results trickled in The opposition in Nigeria has called on the country's electoral commission to release the results as vote counting continues from the 120,000 polling stations. The People's Democratic Party wants its candidate Atiku Abubakar to be declared the winner. PDP Secretary General in South Africa Emeka Ugu says there has been violence in the opposition stronghold and some polling station officials were attacked. What we are trying to do is to make the international community and for Nigerians to know that there are some sinister moves to change the result of yesterday's election. But what I can tell you is that in each polling booth there are representatives of each political party and after the counting of the results each person is supposed to transmit this to INEC official site. We are worried because we just heard now that the official server of INEC is down. So the transmission center is down. The second thing is that the election was mad in so many parts of Lagos, River State and a couple of other places. Most of these places are PDP strongholds. However, the ruling APC party of President Muhammadu Buhari has dismissed the allegations as unfounded. APC National Chairperson in South Africa Bola Babarinde says it's unfortunate that the PDP is violating the electoral code accord. It's unfortunate that the PDP jumped the gun. They are not saying they won the election. I'm sure maybe before end of today or by tomorrow we have our results. Why are they in a hurry? Why do they want to cause problems in Nigeria? We want peace. 
you know, inside what PDP are doing. They are lost already. You know, no doubt about that. Senegal's incumbent President Macky Sall has been announced as the winner of the first round of the presidential election. Sall was expected to get at least 57% of votes. Prime Minister Mohamed Dion, a Sall ally and appointee, says preliminary results were compiled so far from polling stations showed Sall was well ahead. His comments were at odds with earlier statements from the main opposition candidates, Osmane Sonko and Idris Sik. They said a second round of voting was on the cards. Official results are due on Friday at the latest with a runoff for the top two on the 24th of March if no one secures a majority. And finally, South Africa's ambassador to the United Nations, Nozipo Kakatu Diseko, has called for the Human Rights Council to intervene and take action against the IAAF as it deals with South Africa's world and Olympic champion Kester Semenya's case. This as the country's Deputy Minister of International Relations, Llewellyn Landers, participates in a series of meetings at the high-level segment of the UNHCR. UNHRC's 40th session in Geneva, Switzerland. The Human Rights Council meets against the backdrop of numerous challenges in the world that impact on human rights, peace and security and development. Mbali Tetane is in Geneva and filed this report. South African Ambassador for the United Nations, Nozi Pumkagatu Diseko, says the Human Rights Council has highlighted to the IAAF how Casta Semenya's rights are being violated. We want action taken by the Human Rights Council, and the structures of the Human Rights Council are already involved in the Casta Semenya issue. They wrote to the president of IAFA and pointed out the human rights law that is being violated by IAFA. The Deputy Minister for International Relations is expected to address the high-level segment as the country marks the last year as a back-to-back member of the Council. And that's the news headlines at 8.30 Central African Time. Channel Africa is conducting a listener feedback session. If you have any comments, concerns, questions and suggestions about Channel Africa, please send voice notes or call on our WhatsApp line plus 27763003327 or social media platforms Facebook, Channel Africa, Twitter at Channel Africa. You can also call in live on plus 27 11 714 3943 plus 27 11 714 3944 or plus 27 11 714 3946. The station management will be in studio to respond to your queries. Make sure you tune in to Africa Midday on Friday the 1st of March between 1200 hours to 1240 hours Central African time. Channel Africa bringing you the African perspective. 
Some polling stations remained open in several states across Nigeria on Sunday while votes were being counted in Saturday's presidential election, widely seen as a tight race between the president and former vice president. Election-related violence turned deadly in some areas, although the Electoral Commission said it was happy that voting was generally peaceful in Africa's largest democracy. Channel Africa's correspondent in Lagos, Collins Atohengbe, has more. Nigerians added color to the exercise, making it memorable in tune of both pleasant and unpleasant occurrences which have been condemned or commended from both sides of the divide. The elections began in many constituencies with great expectations as the electorate gathered at various polling points enthusiastically to get accredited and then to vote for the candidates of their choice as both President Buhari and his main opponent Atiku Abubakar had pleaded a day earlier. Anyone who came out to vote had a motive and they did not hide their preferences when asked. Along with them is the impression of Professor Ali Alao, a local observer whose team went round Abuja to monitor the exercise. For the past four years, there's been the wrong policies, wrong decisions, wrong ideas. I'm, what I'm waiting for is a change of government. I just, I just want there to be a change. We're, we're just tired of the differences that have been going on for the past four years, and it's only proper for us to, to see how it goes. And I'm actually voting for Atiku. We needed this election at this critical time of this country because of the economics of the country is down, unemployment, insecurity, all of that. The majority of people can't wait to cast their vote and uh, wait for the announcement of the results, maybe later in the day or tomorrow. Someone say even if it has to be postponed till Christmas period, they have their PVC possession. With such thoughts, voting within the federal capital, Abuja and Enveron went without any social ill. But it was not so in some other places including Lagos, Kogi, Rivers, Bayelsa and Kaduna State to mention just a few. The governor of Bayelsa State, Seraki Dixon, says his state had virtually become a military garrison where soldiers colluded with hoodlums to wreak havoc on the electorate. He promised to uncover the identity of the players in the wreckage on democracy in the state. Our state, as we speak, is under invasion. From all available intelligence, and I don't know what we have done to the federal government of Nigeria, that they have turned our state into a garrison of sorts. Yes, the military officers have a role, but when they convert themselves to aid and abet terrorism, they started from Friday night shooting at people. And you all know one person was killed in Basabri. Several shot, several injured. The houses of all PDP leaders attacked. Bullet wounds are there, their vehicles vandalized. That is normal politics in Nigeria now, in Basambri. The government of Bayelsa State will set up a commission of inquiry that will document again the roles and activities and identities of all officers who works to authenticate a fraud. Okota in Lagos Metropolis had a rough brush with miscreants who, despite the warnings of losing their lives, destroyed ballot boxes and set votes cast at the polling boat on fire. A voter simply identified as Chima explained how it happened. We came out in numbers to cast our votes, but we experienced a situation some group of boys came out to intimidate us in their crusades, saying, if you don't vote for APC, you will die. If you don't vote for APC, you will be relocated to the 
they is. And we said, we started counting our, casting our votes. They came and went to the place the vote is being casted, unturned the table, opened the ballot box, and set everything on fire. And they have disenfranchised us. So we are not happy with this. We are disgruntled. We are calling on INEC to cancel this election on this area. The man whose state went under siege of the military, former President Goodluck Jonathan, says violence in any election robs a people of quality leadership and development. All election has to do with electing people that will develop us. And if such elections are mad with violence, they will get the wrong people elected. And there, there can never be any development in a society that is governed by the wrong people. But for Nigerians, if we really want to move this country forward, then of course, first and foremost, we must start with decent, credible elections. Taking the same outlook, President Jonathan's predecessor in office, Chief Olushe Gwambasanjo, says it takes the spirit of sportsmanship to accept defeat without rigidity. There will always be winners and losers. What anybody in any competition must be prepared for as a good sportsman is if I win, I will show magnanimity. If I lose, I will also bow out graciously. That's what any competition is all about. You cannot have say, if you are going to a competition, you must win at all costs. Then it's no longer a competition. With a job halfway through, head of the European Union Monitoring Group in Nigeria, Maria Arena, says... I'm not here to give my own impression. We have seen that a lot of polling units were open later than 8 o'clock in the morning. Now we are collecting information and we don't want to give our impression now. After all said and done, one sensitive issue is declaring who won and who didn't at the polls. The job rests on the shoulder of the Independent National Electoral Commission, whose burden bearer is Professor Mahmoud Yakubu. Almost all the states have concluded RA coalition. We expect the state coalition officers for the presidential election scope to start arriving at the National Coalition Center later today and early morning tomorrow. If Professor Mahmoud had actually read the mood of the nation well, Nigerians and the international community will have the opportunity to judge that as he unveils the outcome of the adult suffrage. From Lagos, Nigeria, I am Collins Nusato Hengbi for Channel Africa News. Hi, I'm Pule Mulebazi, the presenter of the Albinism Report, a program that demystifies myths and mysticism on albinism, highlighting challenges and achievements of people with albinism. Tune into the Albinism Report on the following times, Monday, 5 past 9 in the morning to quarter to 10 Central African time, and from 5 past 10 to quarter to 11 Central African time. Tuesday at 5 past 2 in the morning to quarter to 3 Central African time. The Albinism Report, an enlightened narrative with me, Ule Mulebati, on Channel Africa from an African perspective. Leader of South Africa's main opposition party, Musimaimani, has decried the state of the country under the ANC leadership. The Democratic Alliance leader says the former Liberation Party has forgotten about the poor. He was speaking at the launch of his party's 2019 election manifesto at the Rand Stadium in Johannesburg on Saturday. Maimani says if voted into power after the May 8th polls, the DA will rekindle the dream of a better life for all that former President Nelson 
Nelson Mandela had promised in 1994. Ndebo Mugobo reports. The over 20,000-seat Ren Stadium was filled to the rafters for the DA manifesto launch. The official opposition launched its 2019 election manifesto under the theme The Manifesto for Change, One South Africa for All. And the over 80-page document of promises is anchored on three pillars, including economic growth and creating jobs, building a caring and opportunity-rich South Africa, and creating a state capacity. Party leader Musima Imane says South Africans desperately need change, insisting that the 1994 hope and promise of a better life for all has been lost under the ANC government. Our liberators had promised that they would deliver a better life for all of us. But all of us knew what it truly meant was that it was a better life for those who are connected to them, for those who are family members, and they forgot about the rest of us in South Africa. Those who started off as liberators have ended up being the ones who are looting from our people. Our liberators have forgotten about us. Fellow South Africans, at first we must be liberated, but then there comes a time where we have to liberate ourselves from the liberators. With unemployment rated over 27% and South Africa held the most unequal society in the world, Maimani says this is a crisis that needs urgent attention, insisting that their plan is to have a working person in every home to overcome the triple challenge of poverty, unemployment and inequality. I want to build a country that works, where our citizens get up to go to work and a government that works for all of its citizens. Our vision can be summed up in one word. I want a job in every home. Because if you've ever lived in a house without a job, you are going to struggle. And I want to say this to you. Too many of our households don't even have a single income coming into the house. There is a freedom and a dignity that comes with having a job. The DA also promises to have a solution to the country's crime problem. In the South Africa I want to build, we are going to make sure that our police service is well trained, it is led by people who are professional, and ultimately we can build a partnership between provincial police and metro police so that we can arrest the criminals who are terrorizing our streets. That for all those who are living in farms, they have a rural safety unit that will make sure our farms are protected. Their party has also denied blowing hot and cold over its empowerment policies, especially on broad-based black economic empowerment. It withdrew its support for the policy after its meeting of the Federal Council, something that many pundits say could scare away black voters. But the party's chief whip, John Stenhazen, says the policy has failed in its current model. I don't think we've playing, been playing out of cold. The starting point is triple BEE, as the ANC have conceived it and implemented it, has not worked. In fact, if you look at the last 10 years, black household income has actually declined over the decade of this policy being implemented. It's not broad, nor is it creating empowerment. So what we need to start looking at very carefully is alternative empowerment models, creating schemes that are actually genuinely focused on empowerment. So one of the things, for instance, we're going to be pushing 
very hard and it's in the manifesto is how we can ensure that we have employee share schemes so that employees themselves become significant players in the companies where they work make sure that we're putting wealth and opportunity in the hands of black south africans meanwhile the democratic alliance is eyeing Gauteng as the next province to govern after the western cape its provincial leader john moody is confident their premier candidate solim simanga will lead Gauteng after the may 8 polls it is good that we have in this launch here at the same place where we launched our 2016 elections and i said we are going to take the metros from the anc and you grow the anc below 50 percent in all three major metros of south africa here in Gauteng. ikuruleni may be under anc government but they are forced to be so in coalition so yeah i'm very optimistic and uh, believe me watch this space i get into a boxing ring to win I don't go into the boxing ring to come out second. This is to me the boxing ring. We are now officially entering into this boxing ring. Akhat Petley, this scouting, we're taking it. And the confidence also extends to the party's rank and file membership. Very excited for the launch. I'm happy that our vision is to create at least one job per household. So we are excited to go and vote on the 8th of May. I know we're going to win because already we have taken some municipalities from ANC, especially with this corruption. Indeed, we're feeling very positive because indeed when we look around, poverty is on top. Our people are suffering and there is something that we can do as TA. We have a beautiful country which is going to waste, so it's up to us. With the vision that we have, it's possible and it's doable. That report by Deborah Mogobo in Johannesburg. It's 8.28 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. The Pan-Africanist Congress of Zania, PAC, says it is ready to govern South Africa after the May general elections. It says it is convinced of a victory since the launch of its election manifesto coincided with the commemorations of the 41st anniversary of the life of its founder, Robert Mangaliso Sobukwe. The leader of this faction of the PAC, Narias Muloto, addressed his followers at the Johannesburg City Hall on Saturday amid political squabbles with Mzwanele Nyoncho faction. The Independent Electoral Commission has ordered both factions to find an urgent solution, failing which neither will be recognized during elections. Tabilim Bella reports. Addressing the crowd of young and old PAC supporters, Narias Muloto was very ambitious with his manifesto. The PAC will move from one seat to rule the country. He tried to convince his followers that the PAC is ready to govern. It's the year that the PAC will surprise so many people. The year that the PAC will win the elections. The PAC will become the next government after May the 8th. Why it appears that you are doubting my friend? You must not doubt this message. The PAC will win elections. And the PAC will become the government after May elections. Muloto says the PAC will work with traditional leaders to get the land back to the people. We want to call upon the chiefs that there are some time lost wherever they are. They must join hands with the PAC in this 2019 election so that we return the land to the African people and to them. We'll give them. He says his government will take a tough line in dealing with crime. In the PSC government, there will be no crime. We'll eliminate crime. We'll set aside billions to incentivize our people for fighting crime. Muloto says the police, soldiers and nurses will be exempt from paying tax. Why? Because these people put their own lives into risk every day. They die in defense for us. And what is it that they get in return? 
a salary and they are being taxed even at a high, high level. He acknowledges that the party needs to do serious introspection ahead of the polls. The PSC will continue to clean itself so that it can also move, become relevant into the current political situation in the country. We could not continue to run the PAC being surrounded by indiscipline and ill-discipline elements who always refuse and defy the direction that the party is taking. Moloto says they want to take lessons from Sobugwe, who still inspires many South Africans. I'm Tabile Mbele for SABC News in Johannesburg. Hi, I'm Pule Mulebazi, the presenter of the Albinism Report, a program that demystifies myths and mysticism on albinism, highlighting challenges and achievements of people with albinism. Tune into the Albinism Report on the following times, Monday 5 past 9 in the morning to quarter to 10 Central African time and from 5 past 10 to quarter to 11 Central African time, Tuesday at 5 past 2 in the morning to quarter to 3 Central African time. The Albinism Report, an enlightened narrative with me, Ule Mulebati, on Channel Africa from an African perspective. ANC Women's League has called on South Africa's ruling ANC acting spokesperson Zizikoto to step aside following rape allegations leveled against him. This is after the ANC confirmed receipt of a letter from a woman in which she alleges that Godwa raped her at a private party in April last year. Godwa, in a statement on Sunday, denied the allegations, saying it's part of a of dirty tricks campaign against him. The ANC has meanwhile said that it will await the outcome of a criminal investigation. Ndeba Mokoba reports. Hot on the heels of the allegations of sexual harassment against ANC spokesperson Pule Mabe, ANC presidential spokesperson Zizi Kodwa is now in hot water. A woman has told the ANC that Godwa drugged and raped her and a friend at a private party in April last year. A claim that Godwa has vehemently denied saying the accusations are false and part of a dirty tricks campaign against him. He has since vowed to seek legal advice against what he says is defamation and attempts to extort money from him. In its response to the allegations, the ANC said it has allowed the law enforcement agents to deal with the matter. These particular allegations are very serious because it's an antithesis of what we stand for as the African National Congress. Where in a country which we need and a governing party, there's a serious endemic problem of gender-based violence committed against women and children. We take these allegations very serious and I'm sure we can make uh, decisions once the matter is properly processed through our structures. For now, there's no decision. Comrade who's alleged to have committed this uh, horrendous act is still our leader, is still in office. We won't be in a position to come with a position once uh, the matter is properly processed through our structures. But for now, we respect the rights of both of them. The woman claims that Koto showed no remorse and failed to step up to pay for the trauma and medical bills she incurred as a result of the alleged attack. In a document, she says that her then-friend and executive director at Bosasa, now African Global Operations, Papali Shabani, had been involved in the negotiations with Koto. She says an initial offer of 20,000 rand and then 50,000 rand was made, but after over five months there hasn't been any progress. She said Leshabane then allowed her and her friend to pursue justice in their own way. Leshabane has since denied the claims and said he cannot verify the rape as he was not present when it allegedly took place. 
Meanwhile, the SACP has warned against the use of allegations of gender-based violence in factional leadership battles. Its General Secretary, Dr. Braden Zimande, says inasmuch as they condemn gender-based violence, they hope this is not a hoax as it would undermine the seriousness of the fight against the abuse of women in the country. The Central Committee reaffirmed the SACP's stance against gender-based violence. The Central Committee, however, warned against the apparent use of allegations of gender-based violence as a means of fighting factional leadership battles. We warned strongly against this. Nothing should undermine the seriousness of sexual harassment, rape, domestic violence as violations of women's fundamental human rights. Nor should this be used for any other purpose other than to address this very problem. The ANC Women's League Secretary General Meokho Matuba, on the other hand, says they will support the victim, insisting that the ANC should consider suspending court pending the outcome of the case. We stand by the victim. We support her. And with regards to allegations leveled against Congress, we are saying he cannot speak for the African National Congress until there's clarity on the matter. He has clarified himself to the leadership of the African National Congress. And therefore we're saying he must step aside as the acting spokesperson of the African National Congress. And there he must deal with internal processes. She says they are disappointed with their mother body's failure to formulate a sexual harassment policy to protect female employees. The lack of policy was revealed during Pulemabe's hearing. Meoko says they also expect the ANC to adhere to policies that govern the country. We are very much worried as politicians, as leaders in the ANC Women's League. You know, we are policy makers in the country. The ANC, through its policy conference, its national conference, is expected to have what it implements in government. We are saying to them, we do have confidence that this issue will definitely be corrected. It is still to be seen if the ANC will allow Kotwa to continue to speak on its behalf, given that it suspended Pulemabi when allegations against him surfaced. I am Tebu Mokobo in Johannesburg. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Our headlines up next with Anne Musa. Very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musan. The headlines, the violence during Nigeria's delayed polls claims at least 27 lives. Senegal's official results expected on Friday with a runoff for the top two on the 24th of March if no one secures a majority. And one of the founders of the Taliban, Mullah Abdul Hani Barada, heads to Qatar for peace talks with U.S. officials. Those are the stories making headlines.
South Africa's ruling African National Congress is once again at the center of sexual abuse allegations. Last week's revelations by the party that a woman had come forward with rape allegations against a senior official within the party, acting spokesperson Zizi Godwa has pushed it into a corner. Godwa has claimed it's a political ploy against him, while the Women's League has called on his suspension. The party's response was that the woman had not laid a criminal case against Godwa with the law enforcement agency so as at this point would not investigate. The debate has been raging on whether the party should investigate these allegations. To talk more on this we are now joined on the line by political analyst Theo Fenter. Theo good morning and thank you so much for joining us on Africa Rise and Shine. Now what would you say is a a political ploy against Godwa, what do you make of these allegations? Well, employees and, and conspiracies, of course, has become normality in our politics. But it's usually a way to get out of the problem. But let's, let's look um, at, the, at the facts and the situation surrounding Sisi Godwa. Very important player uh, in the party have been the spokesperson Would you say the fact that it's election year will be seeing much more of the mudslinging play out in the public domain? I 
Why the quick response? Is it because they got a backlash from, um, you know, the people of South Africa? Is or is it just a political? Now, Thea, we've seen last week the ANC spokesperson Bulemabe being cleared of sexual harassment charges by the party's grievance panel. Um, do you think that the party will have to come up with a policy on such incidents? Should they not have a policy in place already? Do you think that the ANC is finding itself at war with itself and, uh, you know, it's either damned if it acts on the issue or if it doesn't? Theo, it is a developing story that we're going to be watching very closely and with elections just around the corner. Thank you so much for joining us. That was Theo Fenter, political and policy analyst with the University of the Northwest, joining us on the line. Now, South African jazz legend and activist Dorothy Masuda died in Johannesburg at the age of 85 on Saturday. The revered musician who sang hits such as Hamba Nonzokolo and Lendaba was born and raised in Bulawayo in Zimbabwe. She's been hailed for using music as a tool to highlight the plight of South Africans during the apartheid era, fellow veteran singers have described Masuka's passing as a devastating loss and lauded the legendary musician for her talent. Gillian Pillay has more. 
a lot of condolences definitely and tributes coming through here to the family home here in the south of Johannesburg and quite a somber atmosphere as you can imagine the reality of Mamdi no longer being here quite palpable but her music living on and a lot of politicians and fans and people from all over the world taking to social media one saying that um, you know the great Baobab has fallen to talk to people who really worked very closely with Mamdi I'm joined by Mam Abigail very hard for you you know in Mam Tandi class and passed away you, you, you came and you spoke about how hard it was hard again today I'm lost for words I don't know what to say now it's she's gone may her soul rest, rest in peace I don't think I've got anything to say now I'm, I'm still going to try and gather myself put myself together and just look back and just try and remember all the good things the good times we had together I think that's the only thing that's going to keep me going at the moment I'm devastated yeah I'm just lost we can really feel that sense of devastation and we're going to move on also to Mum Mara Lowe, who worked very closely or, you know, grew up under the wing of Mama D. Yeah. Very difficult right now. You know, uh, I grew up under the wing of Sister Dorothy. So when I was still getting on my feet, uh, many years ago I met her in, in Zimbabwe. And she was in the audience while I was performing at this place. And suddenly she heard me sing Pata Pata. And suddenly she just stormed in from the back and she joined me. All I could hear was her saying, Yo, Pata Pata. <clears throat> and I was like, wow, what a blessing. Now I'm singing the song with the owner of the song. Uh, a baobab tree has fallen. Sis uh, Dorothy was one in a million. And I mean that without any disrespect for other songwriters and singers, but she was one in a million with a voice that is unparalleled to anybody. But the talent, one of her biggest talents, songwriting. She wrote some of the most amazing songs. You know, a lot of our well-known artists, they've recorded Dorothy Masuku's music. That Kaoleza song that she wrote. Yuma Sikela did it, Miriam Makeba did it, Dorothy did it, I mean just Dorothy, Abigail the sings Sky it, Lux, yes, the Skylarks did I do it, you know, we all want to, you know, get a piece, we've all got a piece of this Dorothy's music in us in terms of whenever she had written a song, whenever there's a song of Dorothy Masuku, you want also to take your chance and sing it. She is one in a million, one of the best songwriters this country, from Africa, because obviously she just doesn't belong to us only in South Africa. She, you know, she belongs to Zimbabwe, but she belongs to the African continent. We recently lost Ndate Mtukutsi, and now it's Mamdi. But all I can say, I'd like to thank the Almighty God for borrowing us, lending us Dorothy and her talent for the 84 years that she's lived. We need to thank the Almighty God for borrowing us, Dorothy, because, you know, we're, we're all strangers in this world. We're like visitors in this world. We're not here to stay forever. The Almighty God gave us Dorothy for 84 years, but she didn't just come here and plots and just be, good morning, you know. She came and she delivered. She, she gave us music, she gave us love, she gave us respect. She's one of the most humble artists that I have worked with. Mm -hmm. If she was born in the States, sure, 
They would be treating her like an egg, you know, and um, no disrespect. Our artists in this country, myself, Abigail, all of them, the, the ones who've passed on, Tani Klassen, you know, we are living from bread to mouth. Bread to mouth. You have to go and perform mm. even if you don't, mm. and you have to say, hey, well, that small slice of bread is better than no yeah, bread. What kind of life is where a country would not... Dorothy Masuku was in the struggle for, li for our liberation. She should be treated like the queen of song. You, you saw the funeral of Aretha Franklin. Oh, yes, we were there. Hello. Yeah. You know, the president, everybody. Right now, I was expecting to see that whole government of which Dorothy Masuku, the ANC, Dorothy Masuku was in exile, fighting for my liberation as we stand here. Mom Abigail, I need to ask a little rendition. I know it's hard. Sugalapa. I used to call it, we used to call each other Antoanas. I said, I would say Antoanas, you are bad. No. Those are the kinds of memories that the Abigails and the mum, Mara Lowe's, are now pondering on as people trickled into the family home to pay their tributes. That was our reporter Gillian Pillay speaking to some South African musicians outside the home of late singer Dorothy Masuka. Our economics update up next with Tabiso Luhu. Good morning. The Grain Millers Association of Zimbabwe says it has secured at least 52,000 metric tons of wheat, but the stock will only be released once it has paid foreign suppliers. Zimbabwe is facing foreign currency shortages, which the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe has attributed to a number of reasons, including the high import bill and externalization. The shortages have led to delays in processing international payments for imports and foreign services. Preparations have been finalized to undertake Ethiopia's first-ever digital technology-assisted national population and housing census. The Ethiopian Central Statistics Agency says that the country will embrace Chinese technologies during the upcoming fourth national population and housing census, which is scheduled to take place from April the 7th to the 28th. The agency had previously revealed the purchase of close to 180,000 tablets from Chinese technology giant Huawei and Lenovo to effectively conduct the population and housing census, which is held at about every 10 years. The Director General of South Africa's Treasury, Don Domohajani, says that the Public Enterprises Department is on the verge of formulating a model that will help take state-owned companies forward. His statement that comes after Finance Minister Tito Mboweni said in his 2019 maiden budget speech last week that funding requests for flag carrier SAA, broadcaster SABC, aerospace conglomerate Denel, power utility Eskim and other financially challenged state-owned enterprises had increased. Mboweni also said some were requesting state support just to continue operating. Mohajane says a plan is in place to keep state-owned enterprises afloat. 
soon we have to see results. With ESCOM in particular, I was at NetLeg on Friday. I said, NetLeg, it's important that we pick and choose what's critical insofar as ESCOM is concerned and how to approach it. Because once we don't do that, we're on the verge of throwing stones at, at each other. I have to see where I'm seated with my colleagues. How significant is ESCOM to the economy? I cannot let ESCOM fall apart. Not anyone in their silver sense in government will let ESCOM fall apart. Part of Kenya Petroleum Refineries plant in Mombasa is set to be transformed into a Bachu man storage facility as the struggling firm looks for additional revenue streams. The Petroleum Ministry said the shortage tanks are currently being used to store crude oil for export under the early oil pilot scheme would be used to store Bachu man at the end of the project. This is expected to give the Ichangamwe based facility an additional revenue stream and guarantee its continued survival. Ghana's currency has slumped to a record against the U.S. dollar. This after a dovish tilt by the nation's central bank reduced the appeal of fixed-income assets, sapping foreign-invested demand for the country's bonds. The CD has weakened 11% this year, the most among more than 140 currencies attracted by Bloomberg. After Ghana's central bank unexpectedly cut its benchmark rate in January and signaled more easing, may be in store. Out of the $393 million of two-year and long-dated maturities sold by the government through January the 31st this year, foreign investors bought just 6.3%. The U.S. dollar is trading at 361.17 Nigerian Naira, 10.35 Botswana Pula, 99.42 Kenyan Shilling, and at 11.90 Zambian Kwacha. In BRICS currencies, one U.S. dollar will cost you 3.74 Brazilian Roll, 65.36 Russian Ruble, 70.80 Indian Rupee, 6.70 Chinese Yuan, and 13.96 to the South African Rand. It's also trading at 76 pence to the British pound and at 88 cents to the euro. Gold is trading at $1,331. Platinum, $845 per ounce. The price of Brent crude oil is at $66.88 a barrel. It's Channel Africa. I'm Tabisolo Hoku. A sports update up next with Phil Mwati. First up in our sports update, we begin with athletics. South African ambassador to the United Nations, Nozipo Mkagato Dizeko, says as the Human Rights Council sits in Geneva, it hopes to generate a resolution condemning the actions of the IAAF in dealing with world and Olympic champion Casta Semenya's case. The 40th session of the Human Rights Council kicks off in Switzerland. This follows hearings in the country at the Court of Arbitration for Sport, where the IAAF is seeking for Semenya and other female athletes with nature high levels of testosterone levels to lower them through medication in order for them to compete. Mbali Tetani reports from Geneva in Switzerland. South African Ambassador to the United Nations in Geneva, Nozi Pumgagato Diseko, says for the first time this year, discussions will be held at the Human Rights Council around the IAAF. We'll focus the attention of human rights bodies on what IAFA does 
Gagato Di Seco says violations of human rights by the IAAF cannot be ignored. Two-time Olympic 800-meter champion Kasta Simeya's verdict in the case is expected to be announced later next month. The South African under-20 men's national football team Amajita has been drawn in Group F of the 2019 FIFA under-20 men's World Cup taking place in May. Amajita will face Portugal, Korea, DPR and Argentina. The 22nd edition of the FIFA under-20 World Cup kicks off in less than 90 days and two major milestones were reached this weekend as the tournament in Poland approaches. Griswek, a Polish bison, was unveiled as the tournament's official mascot on Saturday, while the following day, the 24 participating teams discovered who they will face at the world's most important youth tournament after the group stage draw was made at the Gidnia Arena in Poland. In rugby news, South African rugby side Thomas Crum half Herschel Yankees scored a match-winning try in overtime as the Thomas beat the Lions 19-17 at Newlands Rugby Stadium. It had looked like Robbie Flex's team might be heading to a second straight defeat in Super Rugby as the Lions led for most of the game, thanks to tries from Quaka Smith and Warren Whiteley, which were both converted by Elton Yankees who also added a penalty. It was a disappointing defeat for Lions coach Zvezdi Brain, who says at half time he felt his time was on his way to a good win. And while the Lions dominated the first half, they, oh, they only led 14-16 at the break, and De Brain says defense system have improved a great deal in Super Rugby. Finally, golf news. Dustin Johnson captured his 20th U.S. PGA Tour title last night, firing a 5 under par 66 to beat Rory McElroy by five strokes in the final round of the WGC Mexico Championship. The 34-year-old American finished with a 21 under 263 total to win this event at the club the golf Telk for the second time in three years. McElroy closed with a 67 thanks to a sizzling back nine, six birdies in seven holes before a bogey at 18. But it wasn't enough to catch Red Hot Johnson, who posted five of his six birdies on the back nine. Johnson has won at least one USPGA event in 12 consecutive years with his 20th career win, coming in his 246th start. That's the Sport News this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorka. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Recapping our top stories on Africa, rise and shine at the Sawa. Nigeria awaits the results of Saturday's presidential elections and South Africa's main opposition party launches its election manifesto. That wraps up Africa, rise and shine today. From myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Pumutara Magadza, and Jane Rabutata, technical producer Revelino Ibrahim and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.org, WhatsApp on 277-6300327 or tweet us at RiseShineAfrica. I'll take us to the top of our folding news on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa is the legendary South African jazz singer Dorothy Masuka, who passed away on Saturday with a song titled Makumede. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah.